What is up, people? You are listening to another episode of the Imperial Broadcast. I'm your host, Shamari Stewart, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what's going on? Yo, what's up, Shamari? Um, last time uh, we, we did this show, we, we knew that our next show would be post-E3. We are post-E3, so there's plenty of stuff coming out of E3 involving Star Wars, uh, particularly uh, Jedi Fallen Order from EA. We knew that was coming out. Also, some other stuff that we weren't expecting, but we'll get to that uh, when we get to that on the show. But um, beyond that, a lot of other Episode Nine nuggets, uh, some major developments over Lucasfilm, both positive and negative, depending on who you ask. You know, some departures, potentially, some additions, uh, potentially. Um, like I said, some Episode Nine stuff. And uh, we also had Galaxy's Edge come out, and we're starting to get more reviews from that, more uh, talk about that so uh we'll talk a little bit about galaxy's edge as well yep so we got a lot of interesting stuff uh to talk about on this segment or on this uh podcast uh we're gonna start this off with some news that's probably the most recent news that we have actually so this is uh fairly major as well yeah it's pretty major news so if you're a fan of the sequel trilogy this is big news to you um so not that we hate the sequel trilogy or anything <laughs> oh, i like sequel trilogy, yeah. yeah but um so jj abrams uh, apparently bad robot has been in this kind of bidding war with several different yeah we talked about large this media outlets maybe about two months ago we had we talked about this on the show and, you know we were like jj uh was in talks with disney with yeah. talks with warner brothers and, right you know, google <laughs> all these people Universal. yeah it's just everybody everyone was you know bidding for the rights for jj yeah, uh, apparently, uh, so Warner Media, it looks like Warner Media is uh, coming out on top. They're basically nearing the closing of a $500 million partnership with Bad Robot. which is in, which $500 million. Is, he's got the Berlanti deal. He's got the Berlanti deal, which is crazy that J.J. Abrams has to fight for Berlanti's... Uh, Berlanti? <laughs> Jeez. He has to fight I mean, for Berlanti's well, yearly contract. Fair, if Berlanti makes all their television... Everything. He makes basically all their television. He's got almost 20, 20 properties at this point, off yeah. and on, canceled and not canceled. Um, a whole app launched surrounding his shows. Essentially. Probably, so, probably they want to make a new one, probably more shows on the Warner Media app. Apple yeah. was looking after, was looking, was offered Comcast, Netflix, Sony, and Amazon all offered. And no Disney spread, apparently. But, um, which is strange. No Disney. It is interesting. I don't believe that, but you know that's I, what they're saying. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to believe that that Abrams had. It, it's it seems to me that Abrams may have made the decision himself that he just didn't want to stay. Interesting. Um, I mean that's the sense that I get. If no Disney was included in that, he probably made it clear. Like, listen, it sounds like he did make it clear. Possibly, now listen, I'm going to do these couple movies, and I want out. Or I want to do something else. Yeah, I think you know? he wants to do a certain style of movie that I don't think matches with what Disney, Disney's portfolio. Right. You know, if he stays with Disney, it's going to be mostly Star Wars movies and mostly PG-13 movies. He can do rated R movies. Uh-huh. Um, the Cloverfield movies, I believe, are rated R. If I'm not yeah. Mistaken. So, or is it is Cloverfield right now? I know it's horror, but... Yeah, um, it could be PG-13. It could be PG-13. I know he's, he's worked on... Uh, he worked on Castle Rock. Uh, I know he's a he's a producer in Castle Rock, and that's definitely TVMA. 
Right, exactly. So, um, so it's just like, if he goes to Disney, there's only a certain style of show he can do. Um, all those other companies can probably accommodate for the style of stuff he wants to do. Uh, doesn't mean like, you know, if he goes, now he's with Warner Brothers and Warner Media, it doesn't mean he won't be attached to DC, just like he would have been attached to Star Wars, but it also gives him the flexibility to do other stuff within their properties and within, within like, whatever original shows and original stories he wants to do. Um, $500 million is a lot of money, so good yep. for JJ in that sense. Um, what I will say is that what is from a Star Wars angle, this essentially means that we're not getting, we're no longer going to see J.J. Abrams do Star Wars stuff. This is episode nine will be the end of the J.J. Abrams Star Wars era. Um, it kind of appeared that way anyway. It did appear that way. You know, there was no talk about an episode ten, no talk yep. about another sequel, another trilogy. Uh, we had already got people attached to the to the movies that we know are being made. Yep. Um, we already have. We don't really have everybody attached to the TV shows, but I didn't expect J.J. Abrams to be involved in the Disney Plus shows. So it's not shocking that he's not uh, he's not back. Um, but what's interesting is that, I mean, I feel like, and we'll talk about it later in the show, but I feel like that they, they'd prepare themselves for this move by making another move. But uh, we'll get to that a little later. But I feel like... Abrams, um, it's not a blow because, like I said, I think they were prepared for this. I think it seemed to be heading in this direction that we weren't going to get much more of Abrams to begin with. And at the end of the day, there are a lot of people that can make Star Wars movies, a lot of people with good heads that can make good movies. It's not just J.J. Abrams. Ryan Johnson didn't make a terrible movie in his own right. Um, so I, I don't think it's a tragedy. I'll be honest. I don't think it's a tragedy, but um, still want to see episode nine. Still hope that that's a great movie. Still going to support it, but um, in the grand scheme, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a killer. I don't think so either. I mean, I know. And look, I've I've had I've had my, I've said a lot of things about Abrams on this show <laughs> uh, these past few years, and I didn't I didn't think the Force Awakens was a bad movie. I thought it was very safe, extremely safe, and very derivative of the original trilogy, which some may argue isn't a bad thing. I think it could have been a little more creative, but it was not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I enjoyed myself in the theater. It is an amazing movie is extremely well produced without question right so i you know look he's definitely a talent i think warner brothers is going to um make use of that talent they'd be extremely foolish not to um and tune into hero talk we'll probably bring this up on hero talk uh see, yeah, to, what kind of impact that has. yeah to see if this is going to affect the dc universe at all if you're a fan of superheroes do we do we want to talk about uh what lucasfilm the other booth that they made. Oh, you want to bring it up now? I feel like, you know, because I, I feel like there is a tie-in with Abrams. Okay, yeah, we can bring it up now. Uh, so this is going to be a hot, this is going to be a, a heated take, as I explained to Kendall previously before the show. Um, but Lucasfilm, or not even Lucasfilm, it's not even Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. Let's put this on Kathleen Kennedy. So she uh, made, the, made the decision. <laughs> 
um, uh, to uh, and this and this is coming from her. She says she made this decision, so she made the decision uh, to hire. Um, well, she's already been working yeah, for, with Lucasfilm, but uh, promote uh, this person Michelle Ridgewan as the uh, vice senior vice president of live action development and production of Lucasfilm. Which you know, my first reaction to that was, "What is that title, and why are we hearing about it?" Look, it certainly sounds like she's running the joint. I don't even she, know if it, I mean senior vice president content. of of uh, what is it li- production. I mean, look, live action to development and production. She's not touching resistance. She's not touching Jedi Fallen Order. She's not touching, you know, right Lego Star Wars. She's not touching Galaxy's Edge. But when it comes to the movies and the TV and the streaming service stuff, I mean, that's that's all her property at this point. And those are the biggest things in Star Wars. I feel like, and 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 I'll read what Kathleen Kennedy said specifically uh, to the Associated Press about this move. So she says that uh, working with Michelle over the last seven years as a producer on both The Force Awakens and now The Rise of Skywalker, I have seen firsthand her skills collaborating with writers and directors, and I've been incredibly impressed with her creative skills and her ability to manage the complexity surrounding these massive projects. Now, and that's fair, and I give her kudos for the good job that I'm sure she did on both of those projects. Now, give her kudos for episode nine. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll see what episode nine. I, I'm sure, I'm sure she probably did a good job. I mean, though, we said the same thing about Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, Ryan Johnson, he must have kicked. He must, he must have, have knocked it out of the park. knocked it out of the park with the last guy, and then you know we get what we get. <laughs> but um, but look, I mean, with I mean, I'm sure she did a good job with the Force Awakens. Yep, certainly. That was a very well produced Star movie. Trek with Into the Darkness. She worked on Into the. I didn't see Into the Darkness, but I thought the first Star Trek was good, and I know Into the Darkness. Well, it was a controversial well received, movie. They made a third one. It was pretty well received. <laughs> <laughs> they made a third one. It gave me terrible. So, so look, I mean, I mean, she clearly has talent in terms of realm of production, and I think keeping her in that realm makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not saying they should get rid of her by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not hating on her success necessarily, <laughs> but like, I feel like this and feels look, like I, a Kevin Feige role. She's making this sound like a possibly a Kevin Feige role. The Associated Press they they say in the article um, she will oversee a new slate of feature films as well as Disney Plus series uh, that will con- that will continue to uh, produce uh, or or uh, sorry and will continue to produce with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. So definitely making it sound like she's in charge. And I don't think, um, just based on the resume, just based on the resume itself, I haven't talked to her. I don't know. She could be the biggest Star Wars nut. She could be in the basement with Hidalgo debating on, on Star Wars theory. Who knows? I don't know. But I, based on the resume, I don't think giving her creative control of Star Wars, which is how they're making it sound, I don't think that makes any sense. Like, not a lick of sense. I, I definitely understand. Like, I don't think, and look, I'm just going to throw his name out here because he's the first person that comes to mind when it comes to people who should be creatively running Star Wars. What about Dave Filoni? Obviously, he has the guy. Dave Filoni is the guy. He's a Star guy. Wars vet, 
Either Lucasfilm vet. Star Wars vet. Lucasfilm George. vet. George's protege. George George's worked protege. with this man for years. He's still very respected in Lucasfilm. It's not like he's an outsider. It's not like, yeah, I worked with George, but you guys fired me when George left, or I left when George left. Like He's still there. He's still, still making great stuff. He's still him. there, still making great content. The Mandalorian with worked with Working him. on with Favreau and the Mandalorian. Yeah, some live action knowledge, some live action touch. That's the only thing about Filoni. Is that he's not a live action person? Yeah, that's the, that's literally the only thing. Maybe they split it up into he's gonna start being the head. Of, he already is basically the head of the animated division, right? More or less. I mean, he doesn't basically. do Lego stuff, but Resistance, Rebels, Clone Wars, that kind of thing. That's just a much less important job. It it's, is. It's important in its own right. You know, Clone Wars is, is an important show, but like the money money factor, like obviously the live action is the money is the money maker. I feel like they need to start prioritizing. The stories, stories that they're telling, I feel like they're not doing that. They're prioritizing the, the the production. The production, which is important, mind you, right? Very important, but the story is just as important, if not much solo, more important. Solo the production was chaotic, which the solo production was chaotic, and that joint was still good. Yeah, people still like the movie, <laughs> yeah, because if the story works, now from their perspective, they don't want to lose money on a right. movie. Right, so we have to reshoot the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, um, but I can definitely, I can definitely see that. What I'll say is, look, I think she's a. I mean, look, she, I, I, her resume certainly, like I said, seems very not your stereotypical Star Wars exact. If I think Star Wars exact, Kevin Feige of Star Wars, I don't necessarily think of someone that uh, has only worked on one, I guess, two Star Wars movies now, you know, and. I don't know if it's a good idea to hire an outsider. That's essentially what they're doing. Is they're saying, yeah, that's what they're doing. We're bringing, we brought on an outsider to help us with Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, and she impressed us. So now we're going to have her run the thing. And that worries me because what's her feel for should we make an Old Republic movie? What's her feel for should we do you know a, a prequel movie? What's her feel for an Obi-Wan uh, Disney Plus show? Not saying she doesn't know the characters. Not saying she's not familiar. Look, I, we do Star Wars podcasts. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want that job. I, I don't feel want that like job. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I don't Dave want that Filoni job. is qualified. You know, <laughs> like he's been around Star Wars. He's worked with sequel trilogy characters. He's worked with prequel trilogy characters. He's worked with original trilogy characters. He knows this stuff inside and out. Um, and look, it's not an easy job for anybody to be qualified. But, like, if they gave Lawrence Kasdan that role, or his son even, Jonathan Kasdan, that role, I'd be like, all right, I mean, Star Wars lifers, you know? Like, they've been around the business, they've been around the, the property. That's not to say that this is, like, a, you know, like, some some network where, like, you gotta be a Lucasfilm person to be good. Right. She might be very good. She might be Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige hadn't, she, he had worked on, like, the X-Men stuff and the Fox movies, but he hadn't been, like, Stan Lee's right-hand man. You know, then to then run Marvel Studios, but you know, I feel like this is a risk because it's not as if also you're not as if you're bringing an outsider that is like, yeah, we're bringing an outsider, but we're bringing I don't know Steven Spielberg, right? You know, we're bringing an outsider. This is what like they did Kevin with Feige. Like if they hired Kevin Feige, all right, he's qualified <laughs> from, a, from a producer right. perspective. He's one of the two or three best producers in Hollywood right now. I understand. This is very much a 
it's a boom or bust at this point. It's a we're going sorely off of eye tests. I you know it's like evaluating a, a prospect, yeah, and it's honestly. like look, the stats aren't there, the the production really isn't there. But I, I, I when I when I watch her work, she looks like she could be the next Kathleen Kennedy. I look, I don't know. And what? But what is that even? And here's my it, that kind of almost alludes to my problem is what even is the next Kathleen Kennedy? To Star Wars fans, because Kathleen Kennedy, even when she was working with Lucas, and I believe she even worked with Spielberg as well, she was not the creative there. She wasn't making the story. She wasn't writing like with Lawrence Kasdan. With now Kennedy is hiring someone who I'm guessing is going to be telling people like Lawrence Kasdan what to do. And how to write their story? Well, maybe not how to write their stories, but how to like she's gonna be in, in, like bossing them around. And it's like I can't really like it's hard for me to wrap my head around um, someone like that. Now I don't know. Now to be fair, I could be you know uh, overstating, overstating or unfairly painting her as like the boss that's gonna show up and right. be like, no, that, don't don't be we creative. Don't know what kind, we don't know how she's gonna deal with like Yeah, we don't know her, her, her story. She could very much be like, listen, I'm not now Kathleen Kennedy gave me this position, but I'm not the creative I'm not a, a Star Wars content creator. Right. You guys are the creators. You created content that Star Wars fans love. Continue doing I'm that so and I will this. Yeah. And I will help produce the content and I will just oversee and let you know if something seems completely ridiculous to me. Right. <laughs> you know, if she's if that's the kind of role that she's taking, then I'm totally fine with that. Now, the reason I connected this to JJ is that look again, she worked with JJ with Star Wars. I mean, with Star Trek, uh, Into the Darkness. Worked with him obviously. The Force Awakens did not work on the Last Jedi, which right. is important. Comes back for the Rise of Skywalker with JJ Abrams. So right. clearly, she seems to be on some level a JJ Abrams disciple, a, a bad robot person. Seems to be. That's what, I, I could be I, wrong. No, it absolutely seems that way. But I mean, if she's not working on the Last Jedi, and she comes back for Rise of Skywalker. That seems. She seems like an Abrams person. Yeah, seems like an Abrams person. So Abrams leaves, goes to Warner Warner Brothers, and the same week. I mean, this happened before, I guess. But you know, these deals happen. They might have known they were out of it. The same week that Abrams signs with Warner Brothers, she gets appointed head of Lucasfilm live action development. In production, yeah, that doesn't seem like a coincidence. You know, is this a job that maybe they offered to Abrams, and this is like, all right, this is the second, second best thing we do. We can't get Abrams, so we'll get someone in his. Which camp. I think is completely ridiculous. That is that alarms me. I mean, if I mean, if Abrams had gotten this job, I would have been. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have been. Uh, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I would be very hesitant. Right. But I know... He knows... I know he knows Star Wars. Right. I know he's a huge, huge fan. You can plainly see that in every time his, he and, describes yeah. Star Wars. And his imprint in the entire Star Wars universe at this point is... It, it's obvious. Yeah. He's guy directed two of the three sequel trilogy movies. He basically crafted... The Ray and the Finn character and the Poe character and everything right. we've seen, yeah, a lot of that is his vision. Right. So obviously, like if he were doing this, I'd be like, look, this guy, you know, outside of George, has done the most Star Wars movies. I mean, it wouldn't be crazy. 
her on the other hand seems seemingly a novice again she's worked on these movies as well with jj and look maybe she's more integral than when i gave they were giving her credit for i'm sure she is very integral but i mean she's not the director and even beyond that can she handle what now is going to be an immense amount of pressure and scrutiny maybe she thinks they are maybe she thinks she can kathleen maybe she thinks she can handle the, the pressure and scrutiny that's going to come with a job that is not going to be easy we know how volatile star wars fans are kennedy i think has not crumbled under the pressure he's handled it fine it seems like but has dealt with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress i would imagine and you know it's gone people calling for her job i think it's a little extreme yeah i'm like i don't really care who's running i like i don't i don't care i mean she doesn't have to be george lucas yeah she doesn't have to be george <laughs> lucas. she's a business she's a businesswoman like she puts people in place that to make good movies right. I, I don't care she hasn't done that well more or less right. but it is what it is but um, this does seem to be much more of a hands-on position, which concerns me because, like I said, are we just now are we only going to get sequel trilogy content because th- those are her characters? Are we right. going to be like exactly. yeah, next? The next four announcements are going to be a Finn, a Finn show, a Poe show, you know, a Kylo Ren movie, uh, and a Moth Kanata short, a, a Rose a Rose show, yeah, a Rose Tico show, uh, show. Like that that concerns me. Is what is her comfort level with the entire? Star Wars, because even me, like, I would lean more sequel trilogy, you know, or maybe, you know, you may lean more prequel trilogy, like, we all have biases, you know, I I would imagine she's gonna have maybe a subconscious bias to the sequel trilogy, Right. maybe it's warranted, because we're living in the sequel trilogy era at this point, but, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very much a wait and see, I mean, hopefully... It's a shot in the dark, you're throwing at the dartboard, you hope hope it hits in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it's a shot in the dark. I mean, look, I just look. If she is taking a more hands-off approach, then I'm in. I'm in favor of it. If she proved herself, you know. But if she is do we even be, like this this title being created? Because this isn't a new. I don't. I mean, I, I think this is a new position. Is this a new position? I don't. That's that's what part of the reason I didn't know if this was relevant or not. Because I'm like, how? What is this position? Yeah, I mean, do we do? Are we are, a live action? I mean, that it, like again, it sounds like. The Kevin Feige role, I like. I'm gonna be the producer. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna be the head producer, along with Kathleen Kennedy for every Star Wars property going forward. Yeah, I mean uh, that's definitely how they're making it. Uh, I don't know if I like that at all. I'll just be honest. I feel like I don't think they have to be really high on her for that to be the case. Because one, Kevin Feige knows Marvel inside and out, but two, Kevin Feige, um. Just has an excellent feel. Maybe she has an excellent feel, but Kevin Feige, he's crafted the this entire. Was, this was like his. This was Kevin Feige's thing, like from the very beginning. Yeah, and he's Kevin Feige's making pitch. it under one umbrella. It's one umbrella, one universe. Like Kevin Feige's not working on Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige isn't overseeing. Right. Uh, Jessica Jones. Right. They're, exactly. He doesn't. I mean, he does. He. They probably. They probably call him once a once a every two months. Hey, Kevin. Like. We're gonna reference Captain America. All right, whatever. Uh, he's not—he's not, he's not on set at Jessica Jones, you know, right. watching them film. He's not on set with Daredevil. He's not on set with, you know, Agent Carter. Like, those are some of the characters he's created. But um, he does the movies. Like, I would have made it a little more specific so that she now has to choose which characters get movies. I guess it's all technically in the same universe, the Star Wars universe. But I mean, 
obviously we know the sequel trilogy is a lot different than the original trilogy. It's a lot different than the prequel trilogy. So, I don't know. We'll see. This is definitely a we'll see situation. Um, look, all I know and what is... what happens if episode 9 is not good? Again, with, we, yeah. we get another at Last Jedi. If, if episode 9 is 75 or lower in Rotten Tomatoes, we, we could like it. The fans mm-hmm. could like it, but if it's a sixty percent, seventy five percent of Ron Tomatoes or lower, I'm gonna be skeptical. That like, look, the last movie she's worked on, that apparently got her this job, it wasn't even that liked. So yeah. uh, I mean, even into dark, be. even into darkness was was a hit or miss with the fan base at least, yep. from what I gather. Um, Force Awakens is a popular movie, not exactly a unanimous. Definitely not unanimous. There are people that hate Disney Star Wars. Star Wars so. <laughs> Absolutely not unanimous. I mean, I, I, all I got to say is um, when Filoni announced, the, not even Filoni, when when they announced that Clone Wars is coming back, people were like, I'm looking forward to that more than, than, Rise, than Episode Nine. You know, people were saying, I'm looking forward to that more than, more than everything else. Yeah. And, you know, I mean... The round of applause that this man gets a celebration, you know the stories that is told, what he's been able to do with there all these There would be so characters. much positive energy, so much positive reaction. Filoni would get very little heat because of everything that he's accomplished with Star Wars. Like there would be, he could mess up and people will tell him about it, but like he would have way more of the benefit of the doubt than she's gonna get. Yeah, this is just it's the nature of the business. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So we'll see. We'll we'll definitely see how that shakes up, but. I don't know. This is a wait and see. I'm not a fan until I <laughs> until uh, I see what the what the slate is. I need a slate, you know, yep. and then we'll see uh, how I feel about this uh, decision. Uh, all right. So we did want to talk about um, some uh, recent developments. This is also coming out of the Associated Press. So they briefly spoke with uh, a couple of people who are going to be in the Star Wars: The uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, one of those people is Mark Hamill. Uh, did they? Re- I believe they may have actually got him d- doing uh, uh, the press junket or on the red carpet for Child's Play. But they were talking about talking to him, uh, and they referenced talk about it, Rise of Skywalker, and he brought up how uh, you know they bring people back as Force ghosts, and and he'll be able to come back uh, as a Force ghost. Apparently, he said it in a semi-joking manner, um, but I still think it's telling. That he would he would bring that up in the at all in the first place. Yeah, he got the he must have gotten the okay. Yeah, he, he probably told him I'm doing I'm probably gonna get asked a lot of questions. Yeah, child's play. And right. They told him yeah you tell me you're fourth close I guess. Yeah. Which we already surmised given the cover and the, the Photoshop and that all screamed uh, fourth close. But. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, I mean, which I mean, we had I feel like we had pretty much assumed, but. Um, you know, I mean, it's always interesting to hear it coming from Luke Skywalker himself. Uh, there was also news that, uh, Kiri Russell, um, well, there's news that Kiri Russell had seen the script and that it had made her cry. And she said she was overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, with, How, with why? what she saw. I have no clue. Um, is it anything relating her character, you think? Or is it just a movie? I have no idea. It's just a movie. That's odd, but I mean, I think it could just be the movie. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely exciting, think it could just be the movie. Which I mean, I think I, I think it's exciting, um, because I feel like this has to be an emotional movie. It has to be. It's the last one. It has to be an emotional movie, 
And if it doesn't emotionally move me, then that's a kind of a failure. I think, I think this movie is going to be, it's not going to be a flop. It's going to be a good movie, but I think it'll let me down. Oh, wow. Episode 8 let wow, me down. you think it's going to let you down. I, I I mean, I have to keep my expectations low for me to think that they Because <laughs> yeah, last one, I, I got two, I got two, oh, who's well, no? Yeah, we, yeah, we did. We did. raised parents. Yeah, we were going crazy because, I mean, Ryan Johnson got a whole trilogy. Ryan Johnson got a whole trilogy. I was like, yo, this is going to be Empire Strikes Back 2.0. Oh, my God. You know, going all crazy. And it was, it was good. <laughs> it was Empire a good movie, back. but, you know, just, it, was, it was underwhelming. And hopefully this one's not underwhelming. She's talking about it's overwhelming. Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is something that's like, look, man, we'll see. You know, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it is. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say if I'm not leaving the theater in tears, it's a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but look, man, it's got to move me. You know, like if Toy Story 4 can move me, you know, why can't Star Wars move me? Fair. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, uh, we'll see what happens with this movie. But it's, it's good that we're hearing good things from uh, uh, from the people that have seen the script and that we're getting more details uh, regarding the script as well. Um, so something else that we wanted to talk about is uh, E3. So E3 happened. If you're not familiar, if you're not tuned into the gaming world, E3 is a um it's basically a it's like a media event though they're kind of making it a fan event as well um where big uh, gaming companies xbox playstation nintendo they all come together they showcase their uh new upcoming video games and a couple star wars games made an appearance at e3 this year um no not battlefront 2 so uh you know or battlefront 3 or battlefront 3 you know, so you don't have to rage at dice and yell at EA. Though maybe EA, because EA was there, <laughs> yep. and we got to see Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is uh, made by Respawn Entertainment and distributed by EA. Yeah. Um, so when did this get announced? This was announced at least a few last years year, ago. Right? The the well, I think the title was announced last year, I believe. Yes, yeah, the title was announced. Like the game, like Fallen Order. The was yeah, the title revealed. was yeah, that was announced last year. Trailer was at celebration. Yep, trailer was at celebration, and then we got gameplay uh, at this year's E3, and we got uh, a gameplay trailer, which was also released. Um, I'm extremely excited for this game. I'm extremely excited for this game. IGN even had it as one of their most could be their game of E3. Interesting. Uh, so apparently, they were very impressed with their firsthand impressions of Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. This looks like it's gonna be a bunch of fun for me. I feel like I'm just gonna it's gonna be one this is gonna be one of those games I'm just gonna buy and I'm just gonna play just until I can't play anymore. Yeah, basically. Um it, Yeah. What, what was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is that um Beyond uh Forrest Whitaker being back for like the twenty. Yeah, we get Saul Guerrero back. They're throwing him in everything. <laughs> I'm not complaining though. I'm I'm glad. At first, I was confused by the fact that they brought back Saul Guerrero from the Clone Wars. Now I'm just like, look, I want more Saul Guerrero. I feel bad for the dude that like originally played Saul. Yeah, Guerrero. the guy originally voiced. He totally got replaced. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, so Forrest Whitaker, Saul Guerrero was in it, so he's gonna be a. a, a it looks. It seems like he may be a big part of the game, uh, which I think is cool. Um, Cameron Magnin. Uh, yeah, Cameron Magnin is, is playing uh, the 
the main uh, uh, playing the main Jedi. Um, I believe his name is Cal Kessis, and it is uh, it, it it's very action oriented. Um, you know, they already said previously that there's no stealth, and it really doesn't look like there is any. So you just go in, you fight a bunch of baddies, uh, you know, using your force powers, and that's just what you do in the game. Which I mean, I think it looks reminiscent of any of the old Star Wars games, Star Wars Episode Three, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Um, except the Force Unleashed probably had crazier force powers, possibly. Um, some pe- I see some people are upset that you can't choose. There's no true choice of light or dark. There's none of that. I which I would have liked that some story okay. like you know very versatility, some variable, but hmm. not every game liked it. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that personally. Most games aren't like that. Most yeah. games maybe the, the story exactly. Play. <laughs> yeah, I I'm totally totally fine with that. Absolutely, one thousand percent fine with that. Um, kind of like how in in Kanan's story. Not that this has to be necessarily like Kanan's story. In Kanan's story, he never was tempted by the dark side or was going to turn to the dark side. He was always a Jedi from start to finish, from Padawan to Knight to his death. He was a Jedi. And I'm totally fine with just playing a Jedi story. Um, I think it's cool that he, it seems like he gets to upgrade his Force abilities throughout. It seems like he has the ability. He has, like, Kylo Ren's ability to, like, stop blaster bolts, which I think is really crazy. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just, I can't wait to see who he encounters, if he encounters more Inquisitors than just, I believe this, who is he? Is it the second sister? Yeah. Yeah, the second more than just the second sister, he couldn't encounter. Um, uh, I mean, he could encounter uh, the Grand Inquisitor or Vader. I mean, yeah. he could encounter any of these people. So I am extremely excited uh, to play this game. Um, I'm gonna pre-order it. I'm gonna pre-order whatever the del- whatever comes with the deluxe edition. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. So I'm extremely extremely excited. Another game that was actually announced at E3 is uh, Lego Star Wars, I believe it's the Skywalker Saga. Is is that? Uh, yeah, it's Lego Skywalker. Lego Star Wars is Skywalker Saga. Yes. Um, which, that game is going to feature uh, all three trilogies. So you get to play all three Star Wars trilogies in the game, um, which is extremely exciting. I was... Uh, I was... Uh, I'd say I was disappointed when I didn't see a Lego Star Wars The Last Jedi. Because there was a Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. So I was like, oh, where's The Last Jedi? They just didn't make it. I'm like, I'm like, dang. I mean, I didn't think the movie was that bad. <laughs> I was like, I know people think Johnson dropped the ball, but Lego was just like, nah, we're not going to make a game. But um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they were saving it for this because they have the, the whole sequel trilogy. Is going to yeah. be in this game, so I am extremely, extremely excited. I enjoy, I very much enjoy the Lego games. Yeah, um, I think they're underrated. Uh, so uh, I'm going to play the heck out of this game. But uh, Kendall, you, you told you, I know you were telling me uh, before. There's actually an open world element apparently as well. Yeah, apparently there's an open world uh, element. Um, apparently re- they've redesigned the combat. Oh, um, that's interesting. And that you'll be able to fly from planet to planet. Oh, uh, with space battle sequences as well. Um, I, I read somewhere that uh, I forgot how many. I want to say it was like twenty-one different planets or something like that. Wow, um, twenty-one different like areas, locations. Um, I know they they mentioned that uh, it's like a full voice cast. 
you know, they were already confirmed. Right. Um, the game sounds fun. Uh, they say each episode has five, quote, story moments that are each about 10 to 15 minutes long. So, if you do the math, 15, say they're all 15 minutes. Times five. That's nine, that's what, nine movies? Nine, yeah. So, we'll say, we'll say it's 10 minutes, 50, 50, 50 times nine. I mean, mm. it's, it's, I mean it's gonna be a long game. More or less, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely gonna be a long game. I thought plus the open plus if there's an open world element, then you can play. It oh whatever. yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever I play the Lego the complete saga, the complete saga, which has all, one through six, uh, I like never get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never finished that. Game. Yeah, so I love playing it, but I I never ever get through it. Um, I never finished the uh, <laughs> the trilogy games. Yeah, yeah, those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. So, um, uh, even some of those singular ones, uh, even. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm extremely, extremely excited for this game. Uh, we, uh, you know, whenever that game comes out, I think it comes out next year, because, of course, the Rise of Skywalker has to come out. Yeah, um, I mean, apparently they said the developers of the game haven't made anything Episode Nine yet, because they don't know anything. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So they, you can't just have some random developer yeah. guy. <laughs> they showed him the movie. We already know the label <laughs> employees like the, like the leak stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this game. I thought E3 was really cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to pick up uh, Fallen Order uh, later this year. It comes out around the same time. Um, uh, around the same time the Disney Plus app releases. So we'll be talking about that game around the same time The Mandalorian comes out. Yeah. So that should be a very interesting uh, time period this November. Uh, All right. So uh, next up, we are going to be talking about Star Wars Celebration. So Star Wars Celebration was officially announced um, by by Lucasfilm. Um, So Star Wars Celebration 2020 will take place in Anaheim. Tickets are on sale now. Not to sound like a commercial, but... Uh, I was I actually got an alert a little earlier today that tickets are now on sale. So they're on sale now. If you're listening to this, they're absolutely on sale. They may even be sold out because uh, I know those those uh, tickets tend to sell out very quickly. Um, yeah, we will not be attending because uh, money and time. But uh, one of these years we will be attending. And I look forward to that future year because um, I always love paying attention and, and, and watching things relating to Star Wars Celebration. It seems like it's more than just, like, an event or more than just, like, a, a, a press conference, you know? Like it seems mm-hmm. like it's it's really a fan gathering. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So I am, uh, yeah, I just, I definitely, absolutely want to go. I can't wait. I can't wait to eventually be in, end up uh, being able to go to Celebration. They need to bring it to the East Coast, uh so people in the East Coast don't have to go flying all over the place uh, to go to Star Wars Celebration. Um, it, I think this the, I think this celebration is interesting, Kendall, because uh, we're not getting a movie next year. So, I mean, what are they going to... I mean, are they going to talk about the shows? I think there's going to be a heck of a lot of Disney Plus content. Mm, okay. Um, next year, 2020, I mean... Disney Plus is coming out in the fall. Yep. Um, 
And Celebrations in July, I believe. Celebrations in July. Clone Wars would have came out by then. Will there be a new Disney Plus animated show by then? Possible. I mean, it's possible. Or a continuation of Clone Wars, I don't know. Um, but will Cassie and Endor be out by then? I'm not convinced. That's a that's a good question. I think that'll be... That may uh, be... I mean, I mean that's not going to be that had the same lo- energy as a movie, but... Doesn't mean we won't see movies. It won't be a movie coming out, but will we get like announcements? We not get maybe, maybe we won't get a trailer. Mm, but do so you think we might get like an annou- movie announcement? By that then, celebration, I think it's very possible. That'd be crazy. They announced the movie. You know, I mean they. I mean, the if, they, if, they, if they they're able to keep that under wraps from the media. I mean, like we know the Game of Thrones people, you know, Benny from White are making it. We know Ryan Johnson is supposed to have a trilogy, whether that's still happening or not. Didn't they just announce another movie? Or an ICO Republic is being made by somebody that's not the Benioff and Weiss trilogy? I mean, they can announce any of those at Celebration or announce a cast. Um, it's going to be low on footage, I think. But they can announce more Disney Plus content. Right. Star Wars Disney Plus content, video games. Plenty of comic series, novels. I think it's worth having. Like I, I think there's because how else how else are you gonna get like the the hype for the the Disney Plus series? I think they're undoubtedly putting a lot of capital into both from Marvel and Disney. That's true. I actually misspoke earlier. It's actually in August August of next year. Really? Yes, yeah, late August of next year. So it's actually almost closer to September. Interesting. Which is very interesting. Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they do have to get the hype ro- hype rolling, so they're not so th- uh, they could uh, not completely rely on things like San Diego Comic Con, for example, right? Or New York Comic Con. It's never really been their lane. Yeah, it's never really been their their central focus. Um, the hope I wish they'd rely on New York Comic Con more because I want to see more stuff. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, either way, I think it's interesting that we're getting a celebration next year. I was not expecting us to get celebration next year, but apparently we will. I'm not complaining. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll see what they have to show in Anaheim of next year during celebration. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, the last story uh, that we have to talk about is just that Galaxy's Edge has been out. Uh, if you've been follow, if you're a Star Wars fan, you probably know that already. It's been out since May 31st at Disneyland. Um, so people have been going. The press had been going, people had been going, reviewing, talking about it. Um, you know, there's videos all over the internet of people on the Millennium Falcon ride, people doing all this other stuff. As you're not watching any point of view, Edge. Galaxy's Edge, where you're basically <laughs> on the ride. <laughs> I don't, like, why would I want to watch that? There's people, like, thousands of views, people watching that. I'm like, so y'all don't want to go to the park? <laughs> like, why are yeah, we... Disney. I'm surprised they even taking that stuff down. Yeah, like what? yeah, like you want to pay the money. It's like, oh, I don't want to pay the money. I'll watch through them. It's like that. So, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, needless to say, I haven't read up too much up on it because I don't want any details, honestly. But I do want general impressions, and people seem extremely, extremely excited about it. Um, people, I've seen nothing, I've seen and heard nothing but good things about it. Um, uh, so I am extremely, extremely excited to go eventually <laughs> to uh, Disneyland. And experience Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. 
um, for myself. Uh, what about you, Kenno? Um, I mean, it's definitely positive that they're saying good things about Galaxy's Edge. Um, I, I do feel like uh, it's one of those things where I feel you have to experience it yourself to kind of really get a feel. Um, I'm not exactly an amusement park, you know, expert, you know, or like a reviewer of amusement parks. I can't tell you which ones are good, which ones are bad. I mean, I think the purpose of an amusement park is they're all supposed to be fun. Every time I go, I have fun. Yeah. You know, so it's not like I've been to one. Wow, this one's kind of lame. You know, right. this one's better than that one. I mean, they're all, you know, fun. They're all kind of the same experience. But um, obviously, this is going to be a Star Wars theme park. You know, so that's it's certainly going to be an interesting, uh, you know, twist. Um, glad that people are having fun. I mean, glad the rides work. You know, no, there's been no malfunctions as far as I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's the biggest thing, but... Um, no one's died. No yeah, one. no ride. Been, no one's been stuck on a ride for five <laughs> hours. People aren't getting lost. Nah, all right. So, um, I mean, it it's cool. You know, again, I think you, I have to experience experience it for myself. But um, you also saw that they're they've been talking a lot about the Galaxy's Edge tie-in comic or tie-in book, I should say. Mm. Uh, I don't know what that's even about. What could even be about? But. It is happening, so. Yeah, isn't that the one that's being written by Delilah S. Dawson, right? I believe so. Yeah, which uh, she, um, geez, which one did she write? No, she didn't write Ahsoka. Uh, boy, I have to look this up. But either way, um, uh, yeah, I am looking forward to that one. I believe that one, uh, I believe that one actually takes place post, uh, The Last Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I believe that one does take uh, take place post the Last Jedi, though. Um, uh, either way, uh, I'm extremely excited about it. I mean, and that one I believe also takes place at um, uh, Black Spire Outpost, I believe, which is it is owned by two, which is where and Black Spire Outpost I believe is where Galaxy's Edge is. Right, right. It's, it is Black Spire Black Spire Outpost. Yeah, Black Spire. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, this is what she wrote. Uh, she wrote Phasma. I don't know. I forgot about that. Um, which Phasma was incredible. It was spectacular. I very. I think that's another one that's potentially slightly underrated. Right. Um. Uh. So yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that book as well when that comes out. I can't, I forget. There's so many Star Wars books coming out. Yeah. This is, I'm so I'm so happy. <laughs> there was that dead period when there was nothing. Yeah. There was just nothing coming out. It was just oh wait for the last Jedi. Thrawn and uh, got disappointed by that. Just got like a, a, a Comic Con cover. Yeah, Thrawn Treason did just get a Comic Con cover for the lucky people that get to go to San Diego Comic Con. Uh, they'll get a special cover. Um, though I I I know what that's like a little bit because I did get a special cover for uh, um, uh, a certain point of view, at, from New York Comic Con that one year uh, when that came out, but. Um, but yeah, so uh, Thrawn Treason is coming out soon, and I will be talking about that uh, when that comes out. But speaking of books, I'm going to wrap this show up talking about uh, a couple of books here. So first, I want to talk about the book by Kavan Scott, Dooku, uh, Jedi Lost. Um, uh, this book, uh, I actually finished this book a few weeks ago, I believe, or a week ago, or a few weeks ago. Um, this is a very... Uh, 
underrated book. I'm not seeing as many people talking about this book. Um, I think this is probably one of my favorite uh, Star Wars books, especially the ones taking place during the prequel era. Right. Because that's largely when, well, not even largely, it's completely when this book takes place. Um, uh, so a portion of the book is Asajj Ventress becoming Dooku's apprentice and assassin. And, um, you know, she is trying to find out more about him. So she's lurking through his his stuff. And uh, she is finding old recordings that he had sent to his sister, which I mean, he had basically been talking with his sister in secret, hiding this from the Jedi Order, uh, his whole life. So from the time they picked him up, and they and he was picked up like Anakin, where he wasn't a baby. They, you know, saw. Oh well, actually, no, is that not true? No, that's not true. He was a baby, but he ended up going back to his home world, just on coincidence. Which that they gotta, I don't know. That's, the Jedi Order sometimes they fumble and, and stumble and stuff, and it's like, why, why, how did they not know this is his home world and he's royalty? Why would you bring him back here? Right. But he ended up going back there, uh, coincidentally, and running into his sister and his brother and his father, and uh, you know they just they just straight up spill the beans to him. They're like, yep, yeah, you're royalty. You know, <laughs> you know, this is your dad, this is your sister, and he's like, what? So he ends up kind of becoming like an Anakin situation where he's connected to his family, even though he's in the member of the Jedi Order. And he's talking to his sister the whole time. I'm not going to go too deep into spoilers because I don't want to ruin the book. Um, but, you know, the relationship he has with his family while growing up, and the relationship he has with his other Padawans, and the relationship he has with Sifo Diaz, right. who's in this book. This is the first time you get him characterized, which I very much enjoyed. I wish I would have gotten more insight into what happened to him. I was kind of hoping they would go into that, but I know it's a Dooku-centric book. I was hoping they'd go into what exactly happened to him, but they don't. So that's very still very much left a mystery. I don't know if they're saving that for something else. But... Um, but yeah, Sifo Diaz and, and Dooku were like they were like best buds, so you get him throughout the whole book, um, and uh, you know you find out how he becomes a Count of Sereno. You find out uh, what his relationship with Yoda was like as a Padawan, as Yoda's Padawan, how Yoda chose him as a Padawan. You know, it's it's very it really makes me appreciate the Dooku character a lot more, and. You know, it's like it's like a story I didn't even know that I wanted. So I got to give back props to Kevin Scott. I thought he did a spectacular job with this book. Um, and I'm very much I hope he gets to do more stuff because I thought this was very wonderful. And I enjoyed the fact that it was an audio. Uh, it's like an audio ensemble. So they had like a whole cast of people voicing the different characters. So it was audio right now it's only available as an audio book. Really? Yeah, they're releasing the the, oh, the yeah, physical yeah. copy later yeah, this year. About that. So I thought that was I thought that was really fun. I thought it added a. I I always listen to audiobooks, so I'm used to listening to enjoying the Star Wars books in that format. But I think it's just I think it was just extra fun to have it be played by multiple people. Uh, but Kendall, I don't know. Do you have any any thoughts or questions or comments regarding Dooku, uh, Jedi Lost? Um. 
I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, you, you laid it out, what, you know, we learned about the Dooku character, and that they added to the Dooku character, um, is it a, is it a one-off story, you think? I think, I think it is. I feel like they, they, it feels, it seems like the purpose of that story was just to inform us about who Dooku is, and, and how he became who he is. Right. Um, they kind of trailed off in the story in teasing that. I'd say if there were any way that they would continue, um, it is a minor, I'd say it is a very minor spoiler, (laughs) just as so people know if they want to skip ahead like two minutes. But I, I think if they were to continue, I feel like they would be picking up on his relationship with Palpatine and how that became to be. Because they didn't touch on that in this book, like at all. Um. So yeah, so that's yeah, the only we thing. We still don't know that. Yeah, we still don't know how he met Palpatine. Oh, that's kind of a major thing. And uh, how that, yeah. So they, <laughs> yeah, they left that out. They teased it at towards the end, but um, that was not included. Uh, so that is still very I much think a mystery. That was intentional. Hmm. I feel like that was probably intentional. Yeah, maybe. Possibly, maybe that's what they want to tell in a future book. Um, if they did, I'd be very much interested in, <laughs> in finding out how that happened. Um, but they kind of—it's funny—they they kind of skip over that a little bit. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah. Either way, I was very much impressed with this book. I'm very happy with the outcome, and I want to see more from Kevin Scott. Um, the second book I want to talk about is Star Wars Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed and Tie Fighter, which is the the comic book series that is. Um, yeah, so this is supposed to be like a combined project from Marvel and Del Rey Publishing, uh, where uh, this book is supposed to go in tandem with this comic. Uh, so I am uh, currently reading both. I'm reading the comic and I'm reading the book. I have not finished either of them. Um, the comic series is still running. I'm currently one chapter behind. And the book has come out. And but uh, I have not finished it, uh, but I, I am uh, getting through both of them. And I got to say, man, I'm, I'm getting through this book. I'm not going to go too deep into the book because, uh, of course, I haven't finished it. And I'm still I'm still like fairly early in, into the book. Alexander Freed, he's got this. He's got war stories on lock. Anything war related in the Star Wars universe, I hope is written by him. Because he is doing a spectacular job handling these characters in the Rebellion and the Empire. Um, I mean, these are characters. These are TIE fighter pilots, Rebel pilots. I've never cared so much about a Y-Wing pilot. (laughs) You know, like now I'm like, oh my God. You know, it's like, it's like, yo, this is like, this is like real war with with how he's writing these stories. So I am extremely invested. When I read his books, I'm extremely invested in these characters and their experiences, and what it's like to fly an X-Wing, or a Y-Wing, or a B-Wing. Yeah. You have people fighting, flying B-Wings, U-Wings, all the wings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's in, they, in, the way he goes into the sequences of them getting into the, the cockpit, and revving up the engines, and it's like, oh, I don't have time to do the re- normal standard checks and balances, so I just gotta go, because there's an attack going on. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Like this is crazy. 
Like, so it's just, uh, I'm, I'm completely, completely on board with his writing. I'm not, not after the, they probably read the first book and were like, yeah, we want more of these. That's probably what happened. That's yeah. probably how we got this trilogy. Cause I'm extremely impressed they, so far. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the way he's, even the way he's painting the environment, cause this is immediately post, uh, Endor battle of Endor. And, you know, you've got all these pilots and you've got this TIE fighter squadron, you know, that's still out there. Um, and I mean, you got these pilots on these, on these planets and they're still celebrating, uh, their victory. And then they find out, oh, the tie, and then the, a bunch of tie pilots come, tie fighters come out of nowhere and attack them and they have to run away. And it's just like, uh, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued and I'm very curious to see where this story goes. The companion comic TIE Fighter is focusing on the squadron of TIE Pilots. Now you have an elite squadron of TIE Pilots, so now that's a thing. Um, but they all they all fly the TIE Advanced, which I think is cool. And um, uh, it's it's a very... Uh, so far, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I have to see where it goes, but I like all the characters included. Um, uh, and uh, one of them actually seems... They seem almost uh, like... Uh, uh, what's her name? The one from uh, Resistance, the girl. That's with the uh, the First Order. I don't remember anything. Dang. Hold on. I, now I gotta look it up. But it seems kind of like her, where, where one of them's kind of like... Tanya or something? Uh, a Tam, right? Tam, yeah. yeah one of them seems kind of like Tam, where she... Uh, where Or where they... Uh, they're, not, they're not rebel sympathizers. But they kind of make the argument that listen, I understand, you know, the rebellion. But he comes from a line of people that f- flew for the for the republic right. and the empire. And he's like, you know, these rebels. I mean, they're violent. They're this. They're that. He's like, why are they going against the grain? Listen, the empire's trying to bring order. And what's wrong with that? Yeah. Kind of thing. So some of these people, these Tie Fighter pilots, aren't bad people, but they're just they're just in the rank and file. Is they're doing their job, you know? So I really find that perspective interesting. I'm also uh, I'm impressed by Jody Hauser and what she's been able to write because I've read some of her other um, pieces in the Star Wars comics universe and I haven't loved them I have to say so when I found out she was writing this I was not super excited I was a little bit concerned but she's doing a very good job with this series and I forget I apologize I forget the artist that was writing who's working on this comic but he's doing a spectacular job. All the all all the pages look amazing, um, so I'm very impressed with that as well. Uh, but Kendall, I don't know. Do you have any any comments or questions regarding um, either the book I know, or this? I know they said that uh, the sequel is coming out in 2020. Right. They said the the third one's coming out in 2021. Right. Which Makes I mean, sense. he's it means he's still writing as yeah. we speak. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a while. But um. They're committed to this. Three-year, yeah. got a three-year plan. I yeah, mean, they're yeah. Aftermath they're committed to this. Had a similar thing. It didn't work out as well, but right. it seems to be uh, seems to be going in the right track. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah they're committed to this uh, story. I mean, um, you know, this is going post, you know, post uh, Rise of Skywalker. This is going into whatever else we're going to be doing. We're going to still have books based on this series that are coming out. In 2021, even yeah. so, uh, so yeah. I mean, this is uh, 
Oh boy, this is a uh, big stuff for Alexander Freed, but I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. I'm glad. I'm excited. I think he's earned this. Uh, I think this is different from Chuck Wendig, uh, who, um, uh, if I'm being completely honest, I like Chuck Wendig. I love his works. I don't think at the time it didn't seem as earned. I mean, I don't know. I to be fair, I haven't really read much of his other stuff, so maybe it was earned. I don't know. Um, but it just in terms of writing Star Wars material, it didn't seem as earned at the time. But uh, this feels very earned because I love uh, Twilight Company, and I very much enjoyed the Rogue One novelization. So I think that this book um, and this trilogy, I I have nothing, I have nothing but extremely high expectations, and he right now he's meeting my expectations. Right. All right, so that will do it uh, for this show. Um, on the next show, uh, we will. Uh, Alphabet Squadron is a longer book, so I probably won't be finished for finished with that one for at least a, probably a couple more shows. But I'll be continue working on that. And um, let's see what else. I mean, can we got anything else coming out? Anything else? Um, hopefully, Resistance drops a trailer or something. I'm not getting my hopes up. Do I even care? Dag, I don't think. Look, man, I was I was still upset during that panel when they, we, and they just they just cut they just cut off the panel. I mean, like, are they gonna show anything? I hope so. And did pretty well. I mean, from what I hear on on Twitter, the people that were there they enjoyed whatever they showed. No, it did I, no, I think they showed an episode, actually. But they liked the episode. Ah, uh, yeah, we liked Iron Fist. Dag. For those of you who are not familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Fist debuted on Netflix. We saw an episode at Comic Con. Well, did we see an episode? No, we just saw clips. No, we just saw clips. And trailers. And, trailer. and we were excited for that. And then the show came out, and it was a horrible, horribly terribly received. We were terribly received. We were like, Marvel did it again. Netflix did it again. Yeah, we were wrapping it up, and we got it wrong. Yeah. So uh, don't listen to anything we say. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. Don't listen to anything. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I thought Resistance, I thought it ended on a fairly positive note. You know, even though the rest of the season was pretty bad, but I thought it ended on a positive note. So we'll see. I think we may get a Resistance trailer at a San Diego Comic-Con. That's, what I th- that's the only time other time I think we may get a Resistance trailer. Uh, but, yeah, we'll come out with more, stop, more topics to talk about on the next show. Uh, but that will do it for this one. I'm your host, Shamari, but Kendo, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.